Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast is a Christ-centered podcast established in 2019 and hosted weekly by Pastor Chris Busher. Addressing a host of topics such as the Great Commission, Christian discipleship, and often featuring interviews with special guests who are experts in their field. The views and events expressed on this podcast and all related materials belong solely to their author and not necessarily to the author's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. While all attempts are made to present accurate information, some information may become outdated over time. Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast makes every attempt to timely update any and all such information. Without further delay, here's another powerful episode of Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. Once again, I am your host here, Dallas Montague, calling you from Sao Paulo, Brazil, such a beautiful country here. And Just to recap a little bit, I have been serving here in missions for two and a half years as a missionary in Brazil. Before I've been living in Brazil, I lived in Thailand and Cambodia, and I almost said it in Portuguese, Thailand and Cambodia. I'm so used to trying to speak in Portuguese nowadays, but in English, Thailand and Cambodia, and I love to serve the Lord. And if you guys remember my testimony, I was a man who was in addiction, and I went through a program called Adult and Teen Challenge, and I met Christ. I truly met him and that changed my life completely. And I was never the same as I was before. And today we're going to talk to another guest. His name is John Heaver and his book that he recently released called The Hidden Delight of God. And I love what he's talking about in this book. I read a little bit of his description and some things like this. And so I'm excited to invite him here today. One of the specific things I wanted to talk with you about before we bring him on the show today is talking about becoming a Christian, being saved by God, by the grace of God, the blood of Jesus Christ, but not being transformed. And if you guys are aware, this is something I love, I love, I love to preach on because this is something I've been able to, a message I've been able to deliver here in Brazil many times to many churches. And I'm just going to give a quick overview of this, of my perspective of this, and then I'm excited to bring on John and hear what he has to say. But I just want to say that there are three walks of life, three roadmaps to life. And the first, I believe, is called living outside of the will of God. This is a place where we only look at God as a genie in a bottle. God, I need some money. We rub the genie, but we rub the lamp, right? God, I need some money. We rub the lamp. If we're in trouble, we talk to God. God, save me from this mistake I just made. That's our relationship with God. That's the extent of our relationship outside of the will of God, because our God's will for our life is to be in community, is to be in relationship with him. And so whenever we look at our relationship with God from an outside perspective like this, where it's only coming to him when we need him, when we need something that really is very close to the prosperity gospel that we hear preached in America, and even here in Brazil, believe it or not. And so I have a verse here, Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. For me personally, in my life, I knew the things I were doing were wrong, but it wasn't deadly in my perspective. I didn't think it was so wrong that it would lead me down such a horrible path, but it ended up up leading me to death, truly. And my life, it was one decision after another, 
after another, after another. And finally, I looked back and I realized, man, I'm not where I used to be. My life is way worse than it was before. I need to get out of this place. And of course, I knew God was the one I was running from. And so I called on God to save me from the mess I was living in. He picked me up when I was still dirty, when I was still in the midst of my sin, because Christ died when we were still sinners. And he, he restored me. He renewed me. And I'm so thankful that that is a kind of God that we serve, a God who doesn't point at us and point out all of our mistakes, but a God who forgives us of our sins. And the second, just I'm going over this very, very quickly so we can get to connect with John today. The second is the permissive will of God. This is a place where God allows us to be, but not a place where God prefers us to be. And in this permissive will, this is actually what I call the average Christian life. This is saying like what John is going to talk about today, being saved, but not being transformed. This is becoming a Christian. Maybe you are baptized. Maybe you go to church regularly. You even tithe, but you were never truly transformed inside. You were never changed inside. You didn't start doing things differently, right? You still go to the same hang out with the same people, still do the same things. And that is not what we're called to as Christians. We're called to look different than the world. We are called to die to ourselves, to pick up our cross and to follow Christ. And we're supposed to look more and more like him every single day. As we walk in our Christian life, we're supposed to become more sanctified, more in Christ's likeness every single day. And that's my goal. That's my journey. That's what I'm trying to do every single day as a believer, as a son of God. I want to be more and more and more like Christ. And this permissive will of God, this is a place that says, I'm not where I was, but it's not where I'm supposed to be. It's a place that says things are not as bad as they used to be, but they're not as good as they could be, right? This is the permissive will. And God is saying to us today, guys, come closer. There's more for you. There's more than just the permissive will. There's also the preferred will of God. That's the third one, the preferred will of God for our life. And going back to the second one really quickly, a verse, 1 Corinthians 20, 23, and it says, everything is permissible, not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is edifying. And that's my daily walk, guys. I could go out and I could do things. I could listen to specific music. I could watch movies, things that do not edify me. But what's the point? That's kind of a season that I'm in right now. And God is really cutting off things in my life that do not belong because I want to live sanctified. I want to live set apart, just like Paul lived his life set apart, just like Jesus lived his life set apart. That's what I want for my life. That's what I desire. Moving on to the preferred will of God. This is a place where we are fully transformed. We are transformed. We are saved. We do not look the same as we did before. We are a light on the city, on the hill. People come to us and say, man, there's just something different about you. What is it? I want to get to know you more. I want what you have. And it's Jesus. Jesus is the thing that I have. That is what sets me apart. That is why I look different than what I did before. And I love my relationship with God because every single day I can come to him. It doesn't matter what the situation is. He's always available. He will always answer the call. Always, always, always. He is here for me. That is the preferred will of God is that when I face tribulation, the first thing I do, I don't try to find a solution. 
First thing I do is say, God, find me a solution because I don't know what to do. I'm walking through a situation right now here in Brazil where finances are more difficult toward the end of the year because basically the entire country shuts down from December until February or even after. And so my wife and I, as missionaries, we don't earn a lot as it is. And we're finding this place now. It's the 6th of December. We're like, man, God, I... You're going to have to do something. And we just got done praying a few minutes ago before I started recording here. God, you have to make a way because I can't. I don't have the solutions. It's not because of my wisdom. It's not because of my knowledge that I have the students I do today. It's not by your wisdom. It's not by my wisdom or my strength that I have the finances I do. God, I know it's all in your grace. And so I know that he is faithful. He will continue to provide. And that is, my friends, the preferred will of God for your life. Be in community with him be in relationship with him. And so guys, thank you so much for this time. I'm just going to pray right now to get started. And then we will call John on here, here in a few minutes. Dear heavenly father, thank you so much for this time today. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you're teaching us as believers. Thank you for the discipline of the Lord. Father, we love you so much. We love your grace. We love that you pick us up while we were still dirty and still in our sin. We, we thank you that you called us. You predestined us before we were even born. You knew the desires in our hearts. You knew the ambitions in our hearts. You knew who we would be, who we wanted to be, God, and who you wanted us to be created to be, Father. So we thank you for your love. I just pray that you bless this time today with John. Speak through his words. God, I pray that our listeners today will have open hearts to receive and that they will leave different than when they came in today. Father, we give you all the glory. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You're listening to the Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. We'll be right back after this quick word from our sponsors. Bellwether Records, a Christian music and media company with the mission to expand the kingdom with a twofold approach. Sell and promote music that evangelizes to the world and use the proceeds to fund the mission worldwide. Buy music, support the mission, share music, expand the kingdom. If you are an artist or just a fan of music, visit bellwetherrecords.com today to support the vision and further impact the kingdom. What is your outlook on life? How much time do you have left between here and eternity? In Jeff Jackson's newly released book, Extended Horizon Reflections, Jackson opens up about a doctor's report being diagnosed with a terminal illness that generated life trajectory changes, giving him only five years to live. Purchase Extended Horizon Reflections on Amazon today to read his powerful testimony as his horizons extended. How are you today? I'm great. I don't know if I'd say amazing, but uh, we'll go with great. Well, it's a pleasure to have you here to speak with our audience today. And we are going to talk about your book, The Hidden Delights of God. How I'm excited to talk about or it. Fear, find your freedom and take back your life. And I'm really excited to hear about this. Our, our listeners are used to having our audience share a little bit about themselves before we start at a asking questions. John, I'm just going to give you the floor. Go ahead. Share us a little bit about who you are. Yeah. Well, I'm a pastor of a church called H2O Church here in Orlando, Florida. And yeah, I just have an amazing journey with Jesus. I wasn't brought up in a Christian home and was pretty much a partier and a jock. And But there was this girl. And uh, I imagine a lot of Christian testimonies begin with that, but she was going to a high school ministry that 
And I was interested in her. So I started to go to Young Life was the name of that. And she got invited to a camp in Colorado. So I thought a week with Libby in Colorado sounds great. So each night they talked about Jesus. And I thought, this is fine with me. And uh, on the next to the last night, they talked about sin, which I had never really heard anything about. And I remember walking out of the meeting that night, just being so angry at God. Because in my mind, it's like, I want to know you, but you've done nothing to help me to know you. And then the next night they shared the cross <laughs> and it was like, oh, okay. So I gave my life to Jesus that night and the big journey began. It's amazing, John. And how many years has that been so far? All right. That has been 40 years. Been following okay, 40 Jesus years. for 40 years. Why do you keep following Jesus, John? Why is this something that you continue to do for 40 years? You know, especially now in a time when a lot of people are deconstructing their faith, I think that's a great question. I can't turn my eyes away from the cross. You know, no matter what uh, other people do with their faith, God's love demonstrated through Jesus captured me. And, uh, you know, you can do a poor job of following Jesus. But even if a lot of people do that, I'm just going to keep my eyes on, on him. It's all about the cross for me. Mm -hmm. Amen to that. And how has being a Christian impacted the way that you have a family? I'm sure that you're a husband and a father, maybe. How does this impact your family? Yeah, well, I'm a, uh, I'm a husband and a father and a pastor. And so, it, you know, PKs, preacher kids, don't have a reputation for being the greatest kids in the world. So for me, what I've tried to do is just make our family a place of, of, of joy. I've really tried to protect them from the negativity that can happen in a pastor's family. So we're a lot more carefree and, and fun than anything, but it's, I, I wasn't given, I wasn't brought up in a tight family. And so for me, once we had our first child and we've got four now, three girls and one boy, and we're all very close. We just love being together. That's great. All right. Well, I'm going to start to ask you some of the questions that we prepared, John. I think that this is going to be a wonderful conversation for our audience today. And so again, for our audience, your book is titled The Hidden Delight of God. And what led you to write this book? Um, my wife did. My wife had been telling me you need to write for about 20 years. And I found that the voice of God and the voice of my wife at times sound just about the same. So, um, no, I had been um, preparing for a series on the Exodus about Moses and the people of Israel escaping uh, Egypt. And some of the dots began to connect for me. I began to see that even after following Jesus for 40 years, that there's a real struggle for identity that I have and almost, Christian I, almost every Christian I know has a struggle with identity. 
And as I began to think about that, that's what led me to, to do a series on the Exodus and, and make some pretty big discoveries that I hadn't seen before. And when you say you were doing this study, was it just to deliver to your church or was it for like a project for a video series? What was that like? Yeah, it was a sermon series. It was called Our Exodus, with the whole idea being that the Exodus story is a foreshadowing of our story, our deliverance, and our walking across a desert to the promised land. And um, I read a quote from Madonna, actually, in, in preparing for this sermon series. And in that quote, Madonna talked about her struggle, how she was, even after she was somebody, she felt like she needed to prove that she was somebody. And I read that quote and I realized, I'm Madonna. I, you know, there's something where even though I'm accepted in Christ, there's something in me that feels like I need to validate myself. And as I've talked with other believers, maybe their struggle is different than that. But I realized we all have a battle with identity. And, and, and that's what I saw in Moses. And th this is something that a lot of people have not seen, I think. Moses has an identity struggle that plays deeply into his own Exodus story. Does that, does that make sense? It makes sense. And I, I totally agree with what you're saying, John. This is a huge problem in Christianity, identity. Yeah. There's been times yeah. when I've just sat in the mall, in the shopping mall, at a coffee shop, and coming into the mall, there's a big mirror. And I, I just, I don't know why, but one time I just noticed every single person who comes into the mall looks in the mirror, every person. Multiple mm. times they walk through, they look at themselves. And it's not just that, but it's so much deeper than that as well. And for myself, I was an addict and I had mm. a huge identity crisis and going through restoration of addiction. And God really showed, showed me what my identity was. And it's through him. He's the only one that can approve me, the one who created me. But yeah. in, our in our day today, we live in a social media age. We want everyone to see what we're doing. We want to be approved by everyone. Look at me, look at my status. Even as a pastor, you have the pulpit and we want people to see us and naturally. And it's something that it's created that need for our identity. And I think you're exactly right. Another question for you. At what point in your life did you find this conclusion? Christianity is facing an authenticity crisis. Yeah, I know exactly, exactly where I was and what was happening there. I was at a pastor's conference this is probably 15 years ago, and I was beginning to see that much of Christianity, many pastors kind of built a little pedestal for themselves. Mm -hmm. And I was at a pastor's conference, and the talk, interestingly enough, was on pornography and, and how to help your congregation with that issue. At one point during the talk, I raised my hand and asked the question, how do you create a culture within your church where we can be honest if we have this struggle, because otherwise this is kind of a waste of time. So the expert speaker, his answer was, well, that's the million dollar question. And he continued with his presentation. Now, I, I'm not a real judgy guy, but I looked around the room at the 200 other pastors and no one seemed bothered by what was happening. What was happening was that we were deciding 
that the real issue that we didn't really have to solve the issue. If we talk about pornography, that's enough. When the real issue, we've got to create a culture within our church where we can be honest about it. Yeah. So I got kind of snarky and asked, can I answer my own question? And what my answer is that we as pastors have a responsibility to communicate about our own lives authentically and, and truthfully. And when we do that, when we're honest about our own struggles, whatever they are, then it normalizes people. They realize, hey, it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. So in my own life, if I've had a, a fight with my wife, I'll begin the sermon by mentioning that because mm -hmm. I, I just feel like it's important for us uh, to admit we all have a struggle with whether it's with doubt or depression or fear or sin. We all have struggles and we just need to bring that to the table. Yeah, I think that's a great point. It almost humanizes the pastor. It puts them exactly. like, yeah, I'm one of you. I'm just like you seeking the same God. I need the same restoration, the same healing. I think that's that's amazing. I've definitely seen this from a perspective of, yeah, this guy, I feel like I'm, he's untouchable. He, he's perfect. I can't be on his level ever. I'll never be that close to God when really he's in the same path that I am just seeking after the same God, same problems, same bills, you know, it's the same, but I think it really shows, yeah, it really shows that we don't understand God's grace. Yeah. Because the God's grace invites, if, if he unconditionally embraces me, then I don't need to hide anymore. Why would I need to hide any struggle from a God that has embraced me in this way? And so all hiding shows that we don't understand that. We feel like we have to present an image that isn't authentic. It's not real. And that's why the biggest complaint against Christians is often hypocrisy, mm -hmm. because we don't believe the gospel fully. This brings me to my next big question. I think this is going to be the main point of our conversation today, this point. Okay. What causes a person to be saved by God, but not transformed, to not live a transformed life? What do you think? Gosh, I think there's about 20 answers to that. Um, many, many answers. Uh, we could say a secret struggle with sin. We could say... We're not getting into the word and understanding who we really are. We could say we have a distant dad in our upbringing, and so we have a disconnect with God the Father. I think uh, our, well, I, I think also not being in a community where we're invited to be authentic is a, is a huge thing. But I think that there's another thing that isn't talked about enough. I think when we talk about identity, people often take a propositional approach to identity. And what I mean by that is learn who you are in Christ and all will be good. When in reality, when we learn who we are in Christ, that's a great start. But life is going to be ugly and life is going to be difficult and it's not going to feel that God is good or that God is close. And so the real battles that I've faced in identity have been battles with darkness when it doesn't feel like God is present. Mm -hmm. 
and I experience a dissonance within my faith. I, I believe that God is good, but, but I have some fear going on that, that shows I'm struggling with believing who, who I really am. And the point of all this is just that identity, in my experience, identity is hammered out in the darkness when you're tested. That's, that's when you really learn who you believe you are. Yeah. One of the things you have written in your book is this word orphan identity. What is this? What is the orphan identity? Yeah. Identity. Yeah, I'm glad you asked that. I I think that the the New Testament emphasizes identity so much. And it calls us sons and daughters of the king and of course the story given to us by Jesus is that of the prodigal son with the father embracing the son who's done nothing but sin against them. Mm-hmm. So that's what's ours. What I think we live in often, though, is something different than that. It's easy to talk a good theology and say, I believe that God is in control of the world and, and God loves me. But really, if you look at how do you pray, how do you feel? What risks are you taking? How honest are you with your sin struggles? These things show that we often are living in an orphan identity where we know there's a God, but we just don't think that what the Bible says about him could be true for us. So the the title of the book, The Hidden Delight of God, really comes out of my observation of the Exodus story, but my own life too, is that having a distant dad, it was difficult for me to embrace. Like the Bible is full of verses that talk about how God delights in his people. And I found that to be a real struggle. And I end up probably living half of my life as an orphan. Um, feeling small things about myself, taking on small things instead of living in the, in the big story that we're in. So orphan or son, how, do I, how does God feel about me and how can I take risks and, and navigate life believing that he actually embraces me as his son or as his daughter? Yeah. And another question I have here is what are some practical ways that our listeners can walk out a true Christian life? Some of the things you have written in your book is that Christian, our Christian life was called to be walked out in freedom, grace, and authenticity. What are some ways that we can practically do this? Yeah, that's a great question. We could spend days and weeks on that. I think the first thing I would want to ask somebody is, Tell me about God. What, what's your image of God? Um, God the Father. Tell me what he's like. Uh, I, I actually, I want to take that back. I'd probably start by asking, tell me about Jesus. Tell me what your image of Jesus is. Now tell me about the Father. Because I think that a lot of us, we look at Jesus and he's so compassionate and you just feel like, man, I'd love to be with him. And we associate him with the New Testament and God often with demonstrations of wrath in the Old Testament. Yeah. And so we kind of have a disconnection there. So 
Jesus was sent to reveal the Father. So I, that's where I would begin. I'd want to do some work on let's get a real clear image of, of God as a God who delights. So that's, that's the first thing. Um, and again, there's probably 10 answers for this, but the second, I think, would be to uh, find a community that's safe. Find a community where people understand the grace of God and where you can be yourself, where you're really at, and you don't need to hide your, your struggles because that community will communicate the love of the Father in the way you interact with them. And that's probably the two things I'd start with. And I like the the title, the hidden delight of God, because it's often something that's it is hidden, like you're saying here. In your book cover, it's a guy holding a painting and it looks like the background with just the hat on top. And I think it's so beautiful, this this illustration there as well, because it's something that we it's so easily accessible for us, but we just have to seek for it. We just have to go to that secret place and say, hey, God, I'm here. I want to talk with you. I want to be in community with you. And it's so easy for all of us to have, but it's not something that we make time to do. It's kind of like when you um, when you buy a, a certain car. So I, I bought a Mazda Miata because my dad, who died uh, about eight years ago, had a Mazda Miata. So there's this little connection. Once I bought the car, I began to see that car everywhere. Hmm. And it's the same thing, I think, with the, the delight of God. The scripture is just filled with demonstrations of his love and intimacy. Like Psalm 17, verse 8, David said, keep me as the apple of your eye. I literally have never heard anyone pray that. I mean, to to be the apple of God's eye and to say, Lord, thank you that I'm the apple of your eye and that the image of me dances in your pupils, man, that's powerful, but it is hidden from us. And um, if we could go back to Moses, this is kind of the thing that hit me when I was studying the Exodus story. I think what I was taught was that Moses had an encounter at the burning bush and became a man filled with faith and leads them on an Exodus. When in reality, Moses's story begins a lot earlier when he tried to save the people of Israel in his own power mm-hmm. and killed one Egyptian and then had to flee. He had to run for his life. And at that point of his life, the book of Acts, Acts 7.22, I think, it says that, sorry about that. It says that he was a man uh, mighty in his words and in his deeds. So he didn't have a problem stuttering. He was a great public speaker, mighty in his words, and yet he failed. And he had to run for his life, gets married, and uh, has a kid. And um, he names him, basically the Hebrew translates into an alien, alien. So if you get this, he commemorates the naming of his son with the most painful experience of his life. He was alienated from his homeland. And every Hebrew was supposed to circumcise their son. 
That's their one ritual. Moses refuses to do that. So when he encounters God at the burning bush, excuse after excuse after excuse, I'm the wrong guy. I don't speak well. So he's stuck in an orphan identity. So that, that's what's really beautiful. And that, that's what the book really tries to capture. The subtitle um, at first, it seems like it's overstated, how to kill your fear, find your freedom and take back your life. But that's what happens with Moses. He uh, rediscovers who he is as a son of God. And man, his heart gets set free. It's just beautiful. So that that's really inspired me. I wanna I wanna walk that walk and, and live yeah. in that freedom. I love this last part. Take back your life. Yeah. This is something I've been able to preach the last couple of days. And man, I'm so I don't know what it's like in your church, but here in Brazil, I'm it's hard because I'm sick of dead religion. I'm yes. sick of people just coming to church, just going home, leaving the same. Yeah. In this addiction program I went to, I just was able to preach there at two different facilities over the weekend. And I'm so sick and tired of people coming into the addiction program for a year and leaving addicted. This is the type of stuff. Take back your life. Value yeah. your life with God because he has a plan. He has a des destination for every single person. He loves us. He delights in us. Exactly what you're saying today, John. And so I just want to say for our listeners out there, if you are in this place where maybe you can identify, I have an orphan identity. Maybe you've also had some of the things John has mentioned today. God delights in you. He loves you. Just like in my life, my testimony, I've done so many things wrong, but God picked me up when I was still in my sin. He died for us when we were still sinners and he loves you and he delights in you. So John, thank you so much for all the things you shared through this today with our listeners. And is there anything else you want to just mention about your book today? Yeah. Do I have two minutes to tell a story? You have more than two minutes, John. Okay, so this is just crazy what God has done to help me with this, okay? Because um, four years ago, a 70-year-old man walked into our church and six months later became a believer and uh, was baptized. And then he began to bring around one of his friends and he became a Christian. And, and then a couple of years went by and these two guys, Roger and John, then sent me this cryptic text. Meet us at 2113 East South Street. Whoa. <laughs> okay. So I meet them there and it's a church building and they're standing in front of it and they say, we give you this building. And I'm like, what do you, what, what do you mean? And they have these impish grins on their face and we give you this $2 million building. We're so thankful to know Jesus. So then the story gets even better. So um, my mom comes to visit and we're driving down the road. I want to show her this building that's been gifted to us. And she just muses, you know, your grandmother lived around here and went to church here. And I'm like, mom, if she lived around here, she went to the church that was given to me. Are you, are you serious? So about a month later, we had a work day. And we found some old photo uh, membership album photos. And there I, I was opening it up and the thought went through my 
my head, what if, what if I find my grandmother here? And I turned the page and there she was. Wow. And uh, still, uh, it didn't quite sink in. About a month went by and I began to think about the math because there's 380,000 churches in America. And I was given the one church that my grandmother went to. And as I reflected on that, I realized that I had this distant memory of about a year after I became a believer in Jesus, I visited my grandmother and I went with her to church and I realized I stood in this building. Now, how cool is it of God to think ahead, know what I needed and coordinate all of this to make this ridiculous message that I'm, I'm right here in your story. And then I realized that's what he's done for everyone through the cross. I mean, this church building's awesome, but the cross is even greater. And I don't know, that just to me is like God pursuing my heart saying, you're my son. I want you to be real, real clear on that. That's amazing, John. That's, that's an amazing testimony. I'm thinking back to all the times I've been in places like, yeah, God, that's the one for me too. <laughs> He's got a promise for me. That's so cool. So awesome. John, do you have anything else to leave with our audience today? I think just what you, you were saying just a minute ago about taking back your life. Uh, we, we take back our life by losing it to Jesus, but, but it's also taking it back. It's, it's work to say, I have this haunting lie within me that I don't matter to God or whatever it is. I'm not worthy. It's this haunting lie. And it takes work. It takes work to say, I'm going to take that back. This is a fight. It's a fight of faith, but I'm going to value my own heart. I want to live all out for Jesus. So that, that's what I want to say is my last yeah. word. John, thank you so much for your time here today. I'm super blessed by our conversation, and I know our audience is as well. Where can we find this book? Well, you can uh, go on to Amazon if you want Audible or Kindle. Uh, you can get that there. The paperback is there too, but I'm selling the paperback myself at a discounted price because my goal was never to make money. It's to make my message accessible. So my email is john at h2ochurch.org. And if you email me, I will sell the book to you for for $10 rather than, uh, I don't know about for Brazil. I actually don't know what that means for uh, international. Um, but you can also go to my website, which is howtoliveunleashed.com. Okay. Thank you. I'll put both of those links below. You guys can check out his email, send him an email there, and you can also visit his link. John, awesome. it's been such a wonderful time to have you. If I can have you end our time with a prayer, I would, I would, I would love to. It. Father, I thank you for being such a good, good father to those of us that live as orphans. We just confess your love is infinitely greater than we could ever dream. And we don't want to remain where we're at. We don't want to hide when you're a God that delights. We want to come out of the darkness. We want to embrace your love. We want to lose the life that we have now, and we want to take back the life that you purchased for us through the cross of Christ. We thank you that 
You are pursuing us right now, no matter where we are at, you are pursuing us and we want to let you find us. So please do so. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You've just listened to the Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast with your host, Pastor Chris Busher. Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast was recorded live in studio with final editing made before uploading. Subscribe today to Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast on iTunes or Google Play. For more fantastic daily content, visit Pastor Chris Busher online via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Don't miss the next episode on Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast.